Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Freddie Sayers, and this is Unheard. Back in March, everyone's world suddenly changed. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. So on day one of lockdown, we launched Lockdown TV, a place where we could gather experts, scientists, writers, politicians, thinkers, to try to help us understand what was going on in this strange moment and what kind of world we were going to get at the end of it. And now, due to popular demand, here we are in podcast form. Welcome to Lockdown TV. Last Wednesday, 6th of January, we saw those crazy scenes on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. A lot of us are still trying to process what exactly that meant, how scared should we have been, and how profound was it as a historical event. Well, here to try and make sense of it with us, I'm delighted to say, is Andrew Sullivan, joining from Washington. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Freddie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So let me just introduce you to those of our viewers who don't know. You are a a famous columnist and writer and commentator. You started life as a sort of Catholic conservative, um, then managed to upset the Catholic conservatives by campaigning for gay marriage. Um, You were then very anti-Hillary Clinton, which upset the establishment liberals, very pro-Obama, which upset the remaining conservatives you hadn't upset before. And then we're very, very anti-Trump, which upset whoever was remaining after that. So pretty much you've upset everyone during the stellar last three decades. Is that a fair introduction? Yes, I have been cancelled by every side many times, but um, I'm still attempting to make sense of things as far as I can. Let me start by kind of um, giving you the credit here, because you were one of the commentators who all the way back in 2016, when a lot of people said, well, Trump will change his behavior if he were to be elected or even in the general election campaign, like all these kind of wackos, once they get near the trappings of power, they become more establishment. And you said that's not going to happen. There are features in his character, which you saw early, which you said would ultimately lead us to something like what we saw last Wednesday. What was it that you saw back then? Well, he is instinctually and always has been the classical definition of a tyrant. Now, people don't like that word because it implies that America is a tyranny. That wasn't my point. My point was that that is who he is. He has no capacity psychologically 
to live in a world with equals or to engage in what I would call a non-zero-sum engagement. He's, he's psychologically unwell. He's been this way his whole life. If you read his biography before he was elected, it was quite clear this is who he was. No understanding of the Constitution. Uh, and fundamentally, no ability to concede anything, to give up, to, to bargain in a way that would benefit both sides. So he was... He was almost the antithesis of the character needed in a liberal democracy. And so I, I really believe that he would squelch the, the, the energy and the, the essence of liberal democracy, which requires give and take, reason, uh, and a certain amount of restraint and moderation. So I always regarded him, and I have consistently regarded him, as a threat to the Constitution and the United States, and indeed to the world. And, and I was terrified this was going to happen at any point. This was always going to happen if he was ever checked. And it was also clear from the 2016 campaign, where he said he would not abide by the result if he lost. First time in American history that that has been said before an election. And clearly this year said that he was not going to abide by an election result if he lost. Uh, and, and is still claiming a president, former president of the United States, that he lost, that he won this in a landslide. So this is, a, this is, a, this is an insane person. So it's someone out of his mind. You, you definitely get the credit here on forecasting that he would refuse to accept defeat, that he would show very little respect for the institutions around the democratic system, that he would never stop and would take it as far as it could possibly go. All of those things happened. But what didn't happen, at least with 10 days left or so of his presidency, what has not happened is the squelching of liberal democracy, as you put it. It looks, touch wood, like liberal democracy has survived. Could one maybe say that you were right in terms of what his character would lead to and what he would sort of be motivated towards, but actually that the institutions and the democracy itself were stronger than you thought? No, I don't. I, th I think that um, when 147 members of Congress, a majority of your own party in the House of Representatives, vote to decertify the legitimate tested results of the general election, uh, then it's much deeper when the possibility of even a discourse in the country that relies upon the same set of facts has disappeared, which is also part of liberal democracy, uh, I don't retract a word. When I see the public debate, for example, of what's happening now with the constraining of the internet by the big tech companies, I would say absolutely this is what was going to happen because we don't have a liberal democracy. I, we have a, maybe I need to explain what, that, what mm. I mean by that, yeah. which is that it is one in which both parties accept the success or failure of each other. If they lose, there's next time. It's a place in which you can have a public discourse in which different views are treated as equally to be respected and to be engaged. America's gone way past that. Um, and the rhetoric that the entire system 
is illegitimate, that the entire electoral system is a massive fraud, that it's manipulated, that democracy is, a, is, is, a, is, a, is absurd. Millions of people were disenfranchised, according to Trump. Uh, and when that is believed by a majority of his own party, supported by a majority of the people in the House of Representatives of his own party, uh, including originally, I think, around 11 senators, and just, it, it, it declined around eight, including people who thought their future depended on this. No, it's catastrophic. It, it, he's, he's destroyed an unbelievable amount of trust that makes a democracy work. Let's just kind of rewind a few days, because it's so, I think those crazy hours where people were rampaging around the Capitol are, are the ones that we will be trying to understand for quite a while. Personally, I definitely saw them, and there were times when I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is a coup, or this something really very serious is happening. Um, and then I guess already in the hours uh, of the following morning, when we discovered that the famous horned character was actually an out-of-work actor, where a lot of the people taking photos of themselves in uh, Pelosi's office were kind of known alt-right internet characters, the kind of performative aspect of it became clearer. And actually, this wasn't the storming of the Bastille. This wasn't tens of thousands of people with pitchforks overpowering the security. It was a mob of a lot of slightly kind of ironic, lost, weird people, which was something quite different to uh, a, a kind of full insurrection, as the word that people keep using. Did you feel that as well? I think that is one aspect of it. I wouldn't deny there was something almost comic, uh, but they were many had arms. Two IEDs were placed at the RNC and the DNC. They were yelling, hang Mike Pence. The members of Congress had to be rushed out of the building. People died. Do not. Do not minimize this, for God's sake. I mean, this is uh, this is what they've been doing. You, sorry, not you, but the media's been doing, and conservatives have been doing from the get-go, which is attempting not to see what is in front of your face. They planned it. They wanted to take over. They had ties to hold people hostage. They were calling to kill people. Now look, it's a it's a crazy bunch of people. It will span a range of loonies, but this was an armed group. They were professionals. The cops will tell you they knew how to siege this. They had a plan. Now whether they had anything that could possibly have succeeded, but you only need one gun. And I think that when you have that level of arms and that number of people, surrounding the entire rep representative body of the United States, Senate and House at that point, uh, where the President of the United States has told them that might just told them that their only hope of overturning the election, again, this, is, this was specifically designed for a specific date, January 6th, when the certification finally takes place. Uh, I, I just don't know how you say that was just a circus. So I just want to be clear. Uh, I just want to be clear here. I, I'm not minimizing it. I don't think it was just a circus, but I, I think it. 
And I think it was very grave. And as you say, people died. And this was a major event that we should take very, very seriously. I also think it's important to, to uh, observe the difference between what happened on Wednesday and a genuine armed insurrection or, or equivalent. I mean, and for me, that's that's what would be the difference. Well, for me, that's it's instructive because actually it has something of the flavor of Trump generally, which is there is this slightly kind of incompetent um, aspect to it. You know, he, it, your sort of worst fears in 2016 would have been realized more effectively had the tyrant, as you call him, been a better tyrant. You know, and we over here in Europe, we look at Viktor Orban as a, as a far more competent um, person who believes some of the same things, but is much more skilled at gradually eroding institutions, but of retaining power. And here we have someone who, in a kind of chaotic way, is going to be out in a, in a few days' time. And I just wonder, what, what can we learn from, from that? No, well, the worst version that we feared would be a dictator with martial law on the streets. That's not, I mean, that's, but that isn't really what I feared. Um, and that isn't really what I was saying. The, there, the tyrants are a psychological force. They rarely, and if you look at uh, Aristotle, Plato, or you look at Shakespeare, you realize that tyrants don't necessarily succeed in establishing tyrannies. They, many of them are so out of control of themselves, so compelled by their own desires, that all they do is destroy. Uh, look at what this man has managed to destroy. He's not competent enough to build anything, but he is capable of destroying more effectively than anyone the very legitimacy of the entire system, saying that the election results of a liberal democracy are utterly fake, and controlled by his enemies. Uh, he's destroyed any possibility of a shared uh, empirical narrative. He has governed by exhibiting complete contempt for the Congress, didn't even, wouldn't even send a single member of his, of his executive branch to testify, just to testify. Uh, has broken the law, has obstructed justice, has got away with all of it, has bled the government dry for his own personal enrichment uh, and, and is not done. This, is, this, this made, we keep thinking, oh, this is over. It is not over when the leader of the opposition party continues to insist that the previous election was fundamentally illegitimate and that therefore armed insurrection is the only I mean, think of it from what he believes. If it's true that the entire election system has been rigged, the biggest fraud in the history of the United States, that people are in control of the election system, and there's nothing you can do about it, of course you're going to engage in armed insurrection. You absolutely should. Should we take any, do you take any confidence then from the fact that of all of the other bodies within the body politic that might have supported him to get him over the line and actually doing something to, to obstruct this election result. Everything from the lower courts up to the Supreme Court, um, governors who might have done tricks about rejecting electors, um, you know, larger parts of the Congress, and ultimately even the vice president, none of them went with him. So actually, is it not observable that, you know, 
the Constitution and, and it wasn't quite as fragile as we had feared. Thank God. Brad Raffensperger saved the Republic in many ways. But this is the Georgia, uh, the Georgia. But he's the uh, secretary. He's the guy in charge of certifying the results in Georgia, right. um, who resisted what we now know was a phone call instructing him to find the requisite number of votes to overturn an election. The, the danger was that Trump has created a cult within a party that could never disagree with him. And he tried, and we don't know the full extent of this yet, to get the state legislatures, the state legislators completely in his thrall to fix certain results, to prevent certification. Uh, so he tried to use every lever he could to reverse an election result. Now, some of these people in the state legislature supported him, and there was considerable support. If it had been a narrower win, if we'd been in a slightly, if he'd had a single shred of credibility, and then there always are mistakes in elections. Uh, but remember also, we've had 60 lawsuits to test fraud. All of them failed, and they still went for this. You think also of, of so yes, I do think in the end, depending on what happens, we don't know what's going to happen now. Uh, there are a lot of arms in the country, and Inauguration Day is going to be another stress test of whether, uh, whether this place is going to survive civil conflict. But um, if I told you in 2016 that as I actually, I did tell you in 2016, I, I said, there's no way this man is going to leave office voluntarily. There will never be a peaceful transition of power with this person. Uh, it turns, we, we haven't got there yet. He's still in charge of the nuclear arsenal. He's still calling the shots as the commander in chief. Um, but if I had, you know, if I had given you that scenario five years ago, you would have said, oh, stop being so stupid. Andrew, don't be so hysterical. You're being a big drama queen. And I am a drama queen at times. I just, I just think a person like him with his skills, his extraordinary demagogic talent, the grip he has on an already radicalized Republican party, this is a very close run thing. And we don't know what's gonna happen on inauguration day, nor afterwards. He's gonna be running an insurgency of some sort. Which leads me to the other side of this, which is we've had this test, stress test, um, and how exactly how close we think it came to really becoming a sort of disaster. People will take different views about, but it's what seems to me, you mentioned the banning of Donald Trump on Twitter and other social media platforms. What's now in process, 10 days before a new administration, is a kind of fight back um, from the, I guess, establishment liberal component to say, okay, you took it too far. We were really frightened by this. We are now going to obliterate the kind of memory of Donald Trump. We are going to try and remove him entirely and, and use all of the power, which is considerable, that they have to do that. Are you also anxious that they might overdo it and make things worse in the kind of the revenge moment? Yes, because that has been the essential core dynamic all along. 
And, and, and that, if, unless you grasp that, if you're able to see the danger of that radicalization, which is, has this sick relationship with the radicalization on the right. Uh, again, we've had four years of this crazy person. And the Republicans gained last time around. Uh, and there is an appeal to this kind of person, of this kind of person to people. But yes, I think and there is, is a let, let me just pick up on that, because having heard everything you've said about him so far, and you then observed that pretty much half the country voted for him. What do you now understand to be that appeal? What it's always been, the appeal of every authoritarian leader, especially one given the, 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 the classic lost cause narrative, fighting for the soul of America, which has been taken over by these evil moderns, uh, racial panic, cultural panic, moral panic. Uh, it's a, when you add all the external factors in, and if you have any understanding of history, you can see exactly why such a person would appeal. Uh, and if he'd been halfway competent and it, without COVID, I think he would have been reelected. And now we can see exactly the kind of person we would have reelected and the powers he then would have done. I mean, he he could he's gotten away with absolutely everything in the last four years, including conspiring with a foreign government to intervene into the domestic elections with Ukraine. I'm trying to get you to to meditate on what the legitimate aspects of his appeal were. If, if one can kind of see past the sort of haze of all of that, you know, and actually that's one thing where you've been really good, unlike a lot of people who've been really upset about Trump, you were, have always been saying that there were legitimate concerns about immigration, there were concerns about the globalized economy not working, there were a lot of things that were sort of connected to his platform that people were right to be upset about. Yes, this is the tragedy of it, yes. That, that he brought attention to subjects and issues that really the elites had completely ignored because they could. And the question of the implosion of the middle-class economy, the question of immigration, of trade, and indeed of such swift demographic change that it really destabilizes the entire idea of a, of a coherent nation state. All these things are absolutely valid. Uh, equally, what happened last summer when people let the cities of the United States burn because of an, another large conspiracy theory, that of white supremacy, which was operating on the left. He, he, as often happens, the radicalization of one side ra radicalizes the other. I think Trumpism and an adjustment of conservatism towards the needs of the working class uh, is, is a great move. But you, but, but you just can't separate the two, unfortunately. You can't. And... Uh, and and he is so uniquely dangerous and irrational that there was never a way. And he didn't. He's barely had any impact on these things. And, and in fact, he has forever stigmatized, for example, the argument for immigration control because he's a raging, crazy-ass bigot uh, and xenophobe. And he's stamped those arguments now with the 
allure of a kind of authoritarian, I'm not going to use the F word, but, but a kind of personality cult. Uh, the question now, I think, Freddie, is how do cults stop? Uh, that's what we've been dealing with. This is a cult, a very large and powerful cult, uh, given legitimacy from the very core symbols of American government, the White House. Uh, and cults, you know, they often end with the leader's suicide or a sudden eruption of massive sexual abuse or uh, mass suicide even, some kind of expurgation of this mind control they've been under. And maybe, you know, this is one of those moments when the cult, where the, where the dog catches the car and they're there in the Capitol and they are as angry and as hateful and as dangerous as they are completely bewildered. Don't cults sometimes um, just run out of money as well? I mean, is there no chance, do you think, that the sort of allure and the power of Donald Trump will be surprisingly reduced by the events of this week, by the fact that he no longer will have the office, and that he, we, perhaps in 12 months' time, will be surprised at what a kind of fringe character he's suddenly become. And we might look back on this conversation as unnecessarily pessimistic. Well, yes, we could. Absolutely. COVID-19 could disappear tomorrow, too. Everything could, anything could happen. But I think you might think of the alternative, which is that, uh, that in fact, he is much more suited to be a president in exile, to be sitting somewhere in the United States claiming to be the legitimate. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. President of the United States, who actually won a landslide, who at that point doesn't have to run the government, not that he was running the government anyway, whose words do not have any real consequences in the world except for marshalling an opposition. This is his dream position, actually. He never wanted to actually do the business of the presidency. So we have a, a rival pope, as it were, uh, and huge influence. And the way that the, the, now that the government is going to be run by the Democrats in the House, Senate, and White House, and, and the left is going to be licking its lips at what it might be able to do now and exploiting this situation. And you ask yourself, who out there rivals Trump? in an ability to uh, control these people. I don't see anyone. I see a Republican Party that could radicalize even further. Uh, and you also have this dangerous and scary narrative of the stab in the back uh, narrative, which has always been the classic tool of the far right. You know, they robbed us, stole it, uh, and he's still the president. So you take the not my president problem, which you've had now for quite a while, to a much more dangerous level. Now, I hope maybe his insanity is further exposed. Um, but I, I don't think this is over. I won't feel I live 10 blocks away from there. And, uh, you know, people are having serious conversations about whether to leave the Capitol for the inauguration because it's not secure. There are serious questions about to what extent uh, the U.S. Capitol Police, for example, who were completely unprepared for this, there are questions about whether law enforcement is fully kosher at this point. Uh, they're part of society. Uh, Trump has bragged openly in the past about when push comes to shove, I have the police and I have the military. They voted for me. I mean, this is the level of insanity we're at, Freddie. It's, 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 you can look at it as a circus. We're living in it. What is so bad about this is that, as you say, the, there were legitimate grievances. And in a sort of big picture sense, the disruption of 2016 was a, can be seen as a kind of necessary creative destruction in that it exposed the things that weren't working and it prevented us order from ossifying into a different kind of tyranny. And then here we are four years later, and 
the guys who are now going to take charge, which will be the Democrats, are now so frightened and rattled and so on the back foot from the last four years that they may make the situation even worse by being overly heavy handed against this perceived threat. So where? Yes. What can we what can we it, look to for, for wisdom here? Biden. Biden as the uh, as not associated with the rising emerging forces on the left, uh, who is associated with a, what one can see now as a rather moderate president in Obama, who himself has been a pretty much a centrist. I don't know. I don't think that Biden is strong enough to recast the Democratic Party in a way that could address these issues. Um, you know, you're going to see a very early test on immigration where Biden has already said, well, well on all those things I say, said I would do on day one uh, are now going to be postponed six months because they're having intelligence of a massive wave of new immigration coming from the South. Because they basically said, come on in. Uh, so we could have all sorts of more destabilizing events. Uh, the question is, if Biden has the energy, strength, and authority to control the left, uh, now, he might have a couple of ways of doing it. He could, he could appeal, and there will be a lot of, I think, appeal to a normal president who isn't in our heads every second of the day and scaring the shit out of us. Uh, he's also going to have the benefit of coming in as the vaccination process accelerates, one hopes, and a subsequent boom that's going to happen the demand built up. So he's going to have a huge economic recovery. Um, and if he plays it right, I think he has a chance to stabilize. I don't think if I would push uh, up against the wall and ask what I think will happen, I don't think he's capable of it. What he's been talking about in, in the past few days, you know, we're now talking about domestic terrorism, um, he, he seems quite lively on the idea of clamping down on the dangers that he perceived this past week. We've seen this extraordinary concerted purge by the technology companies, um, from Twitter through to you know, Apple and Google forbidding Parler, which was the alternative, right through to Shopify. I mean, who knew that Shopify was into um, censoring customers? But Shop he's been removed from the Shopify list. You can't buy merchandise. I mean, that seems quite frightening to me that, you know, a, an incoming administration married to an incredibly powerful tech platform. I mean, is that the new thing we're going to need to be fighting against for the next few years? Yes, and it will be empowered by the fact that a, a genuine and principled and moderate defense of conservatism has forever in this country now been tainted with the forces of anarchy, sedition, and racism. I mean, that's the truth. They win. This is, this is, this was, this was the, if, if one wants to resist uh, uh, wokery, as it were, um, then we're already up against it now. I mean, and, and Trump is partly, no, a, a lot responsible. And that's why I was always, those who were backing Trump to stop wokeness have no idea that maybe in due course there will be a fight back. But we're under 
assault now from from a, 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 a an assailant left that God help me Trump has empowered legitimized and validated and that may well succeed so that's you know that's the worst case scenario I, I'm always a catastrophist um but yeah I think there will be resistance I, I bet you the Republicans will win back the house next time um unless Biden pulls off a miracle you know unless Biden is able to do this um but I you know I and I pray to God, you know, I'm going to support this guy as by far the least worst option that Americans now have. Um, and hope to God he doesn't completely capitulate to the left. But um, I don't see much signs of that. I mean, we now have a huge problem in America. It's called Donald J. Trump. He's not defeated. He's a crazy person. He's going to keep delegitimizing the government of the United States. Your view is that he should be impeached. Is that that's what you've been pushing for? I've seen on on Twitter. You, that's your position. There should be a should be impeached within a few days and removed. Yes. Um, Chances of that happening? Thirty percent, maybe. I would say at this point, hard to tell. I'm not in touch with the mood on on the Hill, but there's nothing like having to crouch behind your desk as a Republican congressperson in case someone comes in and shoots you, that will concentrate the mind. Uh, and, but uh, there, are, there are risks to all of this, really. That's the problem. So in that scenario, you're not worried that it, you know, you, you painted this lively picture of the kind of president in exile, the Pope in Avignon as opposed to the Pope in Rome. If he's been impeached, it's like being kind of expelled on your last day. It gives you a sort of, presuming he's not actually in prison, uh, he, that would then well, enable him to... Impeachment does one important thing. It prevents him from ever running for office again, which is huge. Otherwise, he's the Pope in exile, amassing his forces for another takeover. You're not worried uh, that gives additional allure? You know, there's lots of examples in history of people, yes. leaders in prison or who are not able to run for office who are still controlling their party and they then have a kind of client candidate. Um, might that yes it's the bonaparte problem it's it's what do you do afterwards with this person who still commands massive loyalty who is still asserting a really extraordinary charge um who is who is a symbol that the entire system of government is illegitimate and you don't and who has sent out signals to every far-right white nationalist terror group in the country to support him. I and mean, we could have a wave of domestic terrorism from these people. Uh, the only way out of this is for Trump to say, I was wrong. I imagined all this. I concede the election, go home, work on, look at the policies I tried, rebuild on those, and do so with my blessing. I mean, again, he could have done that. I mean, he could have he done that if he was a different person. Yes. This is why I think it's urgent. Like, is there still not an opportunity for the Democrats? They are the ones coming in. He is the one going out. You, know, you talked about Joe Biden. At the moment, Joe Biden is talking about domestic terrorism and there's moves to impeach and all of that. Wouldn't it be amazing if he did the opposite thing and now said to everyone who voted for Donald Trump, I understand what you're upset about. There were things we got wrong. We have not been perfect in this and actually reach across to them instead of further 
demonizing them, which is just going to push them further away. I think he will. I do think that uh, inauguration speech will reach out to them. I have no doubt about it. Um, and he actually is one of the few to get it in a way from his background. He's not, he's not educated in the Ivy League. He's, he's, uh, he, he comes from white working class, Irish American background. He, uh, he was born in Scranton, which is sort of, you know, an, an incredibly important part of red America. Now. So the Democrats, at least their voters were wise to pick him. And I think he will try and we may, he may succeed. It's going to be an incredibly hard thing. And I, I would say this also that I think he's conducted himself, uh, with this entire year, this past year, uh, very, uh, very well. I don't think he's inflamed things much. I mean, he has to take some sort of stand. I thought his speech on Wednesday was right, struck the right note. I think he genuinely wants to bring people together. I think that the Republican senators, the non-cynical and non-crazy ones, may understand that helping him re rebalance the regime, as it were, will be important. So there is an opening. I just don't know how his base is going to tolerate just that. Um, and, uh, and, but it's possible. And there were no other candidate could even begin to do that other than Biden. Um, and taking down the racial rhetoric, taking down the illegitimacy rhetoric, taking down all this rhetoric, dialing it all the way down with the combination of renewed economy and a declining epidemic. And we may, we may get to calmer waters. I, I, that's my prayer and my hope. I also, it's also possible the Republican Party really is over, that it will fracture, it has to fracture, that the rump, know-nothing part of it will be in permanent exile, and that Trump's legacy will be the cementation of a kind of left liberal orthodoxy in America that will never loosen its grip. That will be his legacy. That's what, when I talked about the kind of incoming regime married to the tech giants, now kind of saying, right, you had your rebellion, we are now going to stamp you out. Uh, that was sort of what I had in mind, what the sentence you just said of a kind of left liberal orthodoxy that is now unassailable. Yeah, it could be the case. Um, I. I I do think that inciting specific, inciting violence, specific violence against specific people is something that should get you banned. I mean, I, I mean I'm a free speech absolutist, but I'm sorry, no one has the right to say that. And that is what Trump was doing um, and could do in the future. Um, but yes. I mean, you'll see, uh, guarantee in the comments underneath this, what people will say is show me the tweet where Donald Trump incited violence against an actual specific person. That's what they'll be saying. When did he do that? He said, um, I mean, I don't, I can't repeat a tweet out of the top of my head, but he was tweeting, for example, that Mike Pence has the ability to win the, quote unquote, win the election for us and betrayed them. Uh, he told them to go to the Hill right now. He told them, you can't be weak, you gotta be tough. Um, he, I mean, I was, he was so pulled stops, stops the capital. One, maybe it stops one step short of 
directly well, then, inciting violence against the person. Ref refusing to authorize the National Guard to put this down. Uh, it had to be done by Pence an hour and a half later. I mean, we're going to find out. I want. I think his phone should be impounded, and we should see what he was doing in during the uprising. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 yeah. You, if you want to play legal scholar on that, you can. Okay, go ahead. Tell me where. At what point are these conservatives going to recognize what's in front of them and stop excusing this stuff? It's insane that people will find any excuse for this person. I'm sorry, I am exhausted. There is no fucking way to justify this person in any fashion, of any way, whatever the cause. This is an unbelievable breach in American history. And in the West, it's a huge blow beneath the waterline of Western democracy, fomented by this person. And people are asking me to prove it? I mean, text and verse? I mean, look at the last four years. Has he ever tried to hold the system together? Has he ever not tried to blow it further apart? Has he done anything which isn't about him rather than the country as a whole? I mean, maybe it takes living here. I don't know. It's, it's different. But, but this, is, this has been an, an ordeal. Well, that's your, if there are comments saying that, well, you've just answered them there. So thank you for that. Yeah. Let, let me try and kind of get you to conclude slightly here. I mean, yeah, sorry. viewing, you know, we're over here in London. We've got our own stuff to worry about. We're in the middle of a pandemic and everyone is very anxious about a lot of things. And yet, it's so hard to find voices in America that are interested in calming things down or in trying to see a way through. Um, and you know, I, I totally respect you as someone who is an independent thinker who is not uh, a kind of driven partisan, but you're also very upset. Um, and it's it's just, if everyone is so inflamed, how can there be wisdom at a crucial moment like this? Well, I, I think that it's the job of people like me to continue to argue that Biden, for example, should be accepted, that, that to, to urge him to govern from the center, to urge everyone to take the temperature down. It is, it has been very hard. We've had this person who is clearly out of his mind, running the country for four years, turning everybody crazy. Um, I mean, it's like, I've always said, it's like, uh, you know, living in a house where one family member has mental illness. Everybody in the end has mental illness. He's, he's been doing this to the country now consistently from the biggest platform for four to five years in ways that have been designed to frighten, disorient, enrage, and he has been a genius at it. And he also mastered the new media in, able to, in order to do this. And he has prompted this horrifying response from the left, which is essentially another attack upon constitutional principles and individual rights with, with the entire wave of wokeism. Uh, so how am I not supposed to be upset? Do you really want me to sit here? I mean, of course, there are times when we should be upset. There are times when rage is the right response, as long as it's done peacefully. Um, yeah, I, I, how do we unwind it? I don't know. Maybe Biden can help. Maybe, maybe a desire to get past all this will help. Uh, maybe the end of the epidemic will lead to a different mood in some ways. Uh, sometimes a clash like this, a really horrible scene, uh, can uh, clarify things. You know, it's like a, a, 
a physical abuser can one time go a little too far and suddenly recognize, man, I could have killed her. And that could force that person to just like, okay, what did I do here? Do I have to stop this? You know, when you when you say those words, do you do you believe them? I mean, do you think that's going to happen? I mean, often I ask our guests to conclude with whether they feel hopeful or not. I think we all have got the impression that you don't feel especially hopeful. What kind of chances are there that what you just described happens? Well, America's had some pretty crazy divisive times in the past. I mean, one looks back to the 70s when there were bombs going off every week all over the place, where the whole country had been torn apart, where it was in the middle of a cultural revolution and impeached president. And, and, and yet within a few years, it was morning in America and Reagan was back and, and things calmed down. And then we had this almost Elysian period of neoliberal triviality, the Seinfeld era, really, uh, which which then imploded with 9-11 and all the, all the questions uh, that that resolved. I think, uh, so hope is absolutely valid, absolutely valid. And the experience is that over the long run, I mean, this country is unlike any other modern country, has, has in its modern history had an unbelievably brutal civil war. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a volatile, young, restless republic that can still evolve in ways that are scary. And I do think that the mass immigration of the last 50 years has pushed it culturally along with the sexual and, and other rep and the, the feminist revolution to a, to a point of extreme stress of how to, of continuity and coherence that conservatives should be concerned about. Um, but at the same time, it's a very big country. People could leave where they've been. The epidemic is going to, if, if history is any guide, the epidemic is going to reorder things in all sorts of interesting and different ways. Uh, I think people can get also exhausted by conflict at some point, uh, yeah. just exhausted by it. And, 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 and especially when you see how miserable it makes everybody, um, just how much bloody psychological pain has been in this country for this long, partly driven constantly by him, um, but also by the, by the crazies on the left. Um, Historically, the amount of violence has not been as great as in the 70s. Uh, so I, let me put it this way. I am not optimistic, but I am hopeful. And, and I don't know the path or the course of the next year or two. Um, but at some point, we have so much to lose by blowing this country up. And that people will understand that, I think do understand it. And some of this is a form of cosplay. Some of it is a, some sort of surreal performativity. Uh, but the guns were loaded and the house was broken into uh, and the president is still insisting the cause was just. I'm gonna take that because I, yeah. I feel that the old note there of maybe not optimism, but hope, is a yeah. is a note that I'm I'm going to take with me. I think that's a, a a good place for us to be 
right Absolutely. now. And, and I think what, what you said will give everyone watching just a sense of the gravity of it and what it's felt like for someone who's so kind of intellectually engaged with it um, to have lived in the center of it for the last few years. Yeah, Freddie, it's, we're only human. And you know, it's, I, I, and people say I have derangement syndrome or whatever, but you know, I love this, I, I love this country. And he's fucking taken a flamethrower to it. And there comes a point at which you have to say, I don't care, get rid of him, get him out of here. I, I, I think he, I, if we had Elba, we should put him on it. Elba, that's the it, island where we put oh, Napoleon. Napoleon right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm desperate. He's driven me crazy. I am beyond the emotions that have pulsed through everybody on all sides in this country for like four years are just exhausting. Uh, and on top of an epidemic, I mean, it's this, this, at some point it gets so, it hits such a bottom, it's gotta, gotta get a little better. Andrew Sullivan, thank you for your thoughts. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Freddie. That was Andrew joining us from Washington DC, right in the heart of the action. You heard that he feels understandably very passionately about this, and these are momentous times. So we will be watching very closely what happens in coming days and months. Thanks to him for his insights. Don't forget you can watch all of our podcast interviews on our YouTube channel. Find us under Unheard and make sure to subscribe for all the latest. Thanks for joining. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.